Hello, everybody, and welcome to Did You Bring Earplugs? Uh, this is another one of our singles episode, um, but you're going to have two singles back to back because uh, <laughs> as every good podcast does, uh, the, last, the last one that we recorded will go down in history as a lost episode uh, because due to some technical difficulties, we done lost it. It got lost, and we can't find it, and we don't really want to find it. No, we do. It was it was a good one, and I'm sorry that you can't hear it. But today, on a very special uh, DYBE single, we're going to talk about uh, a record that I, I think every one of us, um, well, <laughs> all, all three of us that are going to participate in this episode, uh, were hotly anticipating, and that is Jubilee by uh, 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 Pennsylvania. Is, is She's a Philly person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Philadelphia's own Japanese Breakfast. Uh, this album uh, was supposed to come out uh, in 2020, but um, no one can remember what happened in 2020, so it ended up coming out in 2021, um, which has effectively become the year of Michelle Zahner. Uh, earlier this year, she also released her debut. Someone called it a debut memoir. I felt like that's like, like are you going to have more yeah. memoirs? Um, her memoir, uh, uh, Crying in H Mart, which was uh, basically built off of a, an essay by the same name that she uh, published in The Atlantic, The New Yorker. One of those um, uh, now being made into a feature film uh, 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 shortly after she released uh, this, her third album, Jubilee. Uh, and later this year, um, a video game that she scored um, and recorded some unique uh, or some you know new tracks for uh, Sable will come out. Um, so really, really not uh, over over blowing uh, the amount of stuff that Michelle Zahner has done this year. Uh, but as this is a music podcast, we will be talking about Michelle Zahner, uh, AKA Japanese breakfasts music. Uh, so we've all had the album. Uh, the album came out, I don't know, like a month ago. Has it, has it been a month, a month ish ago. Uh, so we've all been listening to it. Um, can I, can I get some initial thoughts? What do y'all, what do y'all think of the album? Um, I'm just getting like, knowing grins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, pretty pretty much the only thing I've been listening to for the last like three weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. I stayed up late to listen to it because I got the vinyl a few days early, like a few other people did, mm -hmm. well. and I was like, oh my god, I get to listen to this before most people, how fun, and then I checked my record player, and the record player said no, so then I had to wait for it to come out on Spotify at midnight like a pilgrim, so <laughs> and then I listened to it all the way through, and I was like, this is iconic, and I haven't stopped mm -hmm. listening to it since. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it was uh, a stroke of good luck because I don't think um, listening to this lush, beautifully arranged and produced album uh, through a Crosley's built-in speakers maybe maybe might have been, not been the best way to experience it for the first time. Probably right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, what is what is your experience uh, with the album been? I know you, you also got the vinyl uh, a day or two early um, and had been yeah, listening to it in advance. I... I... I I played it um, on my my record player. My record player's speakers are okay. Um, they do a good job of picking up a lot of the ethereal, um, wispy sounds. If that's a good way to put it. Um, so it, it's it. I loved it um, from first listen. But listening to it on my noise canceling headphones mm -hmm. was definitely a better experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I the first couple of times I listened to it were, uh, you know, I, I listened to the to the vinyl copy um, just in my apartment, um, and I, you know I, I had it on sort of in the background mostly, and I was enjoying it, but it didn't really hit, uh, it didn't really hit me um, in terms of details until I listened to it in my car, mm -hmm. um, really really loud, windows rolled up, um, and a lot of a lot of the details started uh, uh, coming out. Um, but I think, uh, the way that we're going to do this today is we'll just go track by track and talk about what we like and whatever, uh, on a track by track basis. 
Um, I for one ha I read uh, rather reread um, uh, the track by track breakdown that Stereo Gum published um, a week or two ago. Um, it, it's it's basically an interview with Michelle Zahner where she she talks about each and every song, uh, some in more details than other. Um, but I'm going to be lifting heavily from that as well as obviously my own experience. Uh, so the lead track on Jubilee, Japanese Breakfast's third album, is called Paprika. This is, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't think, of it. I mean, th this will go down, like, like if we were ever to do a, an episode about uh, best uh, first tracks on an, on an album, I think Paprika would make all oh, of our short lists. That's a good opener. Um, the, the part that, that sort of tickled me was that, um, according to Zahner, um, both she and the label had intended it to be the first single, or a single. Um, but she ultimately decided to save it for the record um, so that, you know, um, when you're when you're popping the album in for the first time, you know, this is this is the first thing you're going to hear. And I think that was mm -hmm. most definitely the right decision. Such a good call. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, it's maybe <clears throat> the most like grandiose production that she's ever put together. Um, you know, she never says wall of sound in, in this stereo gum piece, but um, you get the impression that that's sort of how it came about. Like she kept adding elements and elements and elements. And um, one through line that you'll notice um, if you if you read this um, interview is that uh, the first two albums were recorded in pretty insular settings. Um, both Psychopomp and Soft Sounds were sort of just her and like her you know recording band, and she didn't really go outside of that uh, a lot. Um, soft sounds, especially she, she said that she, and I think Craig Hendricks, who's part of her touring band, but also like, I think her main producer, um, really just like mm -hmm. locked themselves in a room and like played every, every, uh, instrument on the album. Um, and you know, you, you can sort of, you can sort of hear that in those albums. Um, I think especially with soft sounds, but for this album, um, obviously, you know, there's the meta narrative of her life where, you know, a lot of her early work has been colored by the grief of losing her mother. Um, and she wanted to make a conscious step away from that and, and, and write an album about, about joy. And I, I don't know if she's entirely successful on this album because there are some pretty, there are some pretty dire tracks. Um, yeah. but even from like a recording standpoint, it seemed like she opened herself up to collaboration a lot more where, um, a, a lot of the most, um, notable songs in this album, um, you know, had a hand, she had a hand with them, you know, by, by other notable musicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked Paprika a lot. Um, for me, and I mentioned this in our groups, group chat, um, that just the horns included in it was mm -hmm. just, just a little bit reminiscent for me of neutral milk hotel. So mm -hmm. I was a huge fan of that, but it's just so joyous. You know, it's such a perfect opener. And I love it. I like find myself when I go back to the album, I start with that one and then I start hopping around. Like if, if I'm yeah. not going to listen to it all the way through, it's definitely one of the ones that I pick out. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I always, I always start with it. Um, I, it is like definitely her most, I think one of her most joyous ones. And there's uh, the day it was released, um, she performed at a festival and there was a video floating around of her performing this and she's like hitting a symbol every time the symbol like she's just running around the stage and uh -huh. seeing it and hitting a symbol every time it the symbol hits and it's like so i see her perform it live because i feel like it's gonna be the best she's probably gonna open the show with that and it's gonna be like the best way to start yeah um, start that's, that show. that's for sure mm -hmm. Can't wait. Yeah, it's it's interesting that that um, <laughs> you describing that sort of made me think of like a like a band leader uh, because uh, the the, mm -hmm. the name of the song comes from um, the Satoshi Kon 
uh, animated film pup- of the same name, Paprika. Um, but it's and 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 specifically, um, she was trying to evoke um, a song that's featured in the movie by Susumu Hirasawa called Parade. Um, and it has this sort of like almost like marching band sort of percussion. Um, but the, the thing that's funny is that that the parade in the movie is sort of threatening. It's like a it's like a it's like an adversary. Um, so I, I think it's just funny that that's where she she borrowed it from. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and anything else we want to say about uh, the opening track of Jubilee, a song called Paprika. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on to uh, <laughs> a song that has uh, most certainly become famous at this point, uh, Be Sweet. Um, so just a short story. I was with Rita at Target last weekend, um, buying too many things and, um, a song by, I don't remember the guy's name, but, uh, sorry. You were frozen for a a good 30 seconds there. Oh, uh, I apologize. (laughs) Um, so I was, I was just saying that, uh, Rita and I were at Target last weekend and uh, a song came on the the target speakers um, that was like one of the worst, like cloying, extra positivity pop songs that I've ever heard in my life. Like singer songwritery, like all you have to do is smile and be positive type pop songs. Um, and like, like it, it, it physically hurt me. Like I could feel it in my blood how much I hated this song. And that was followed up immediately by Be Sweet by Japanese Breakfast. And it felt like the world was just like throwing me a bone. It was like, look, we did this other thing to you, but now at least you get to listen to this in a public forum. Um, and most recently, uh, a trailer for a uh, an expansion pack for The Sims 4 has also come out um, featuring a Simlish version of this song, uh, which I hope the full version is out there somewhere and we will get to see it someday. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a couple of other notes about this song. Um, apparently, she's been sitting on it since 2019 and just sort of knew that it was going to be something special. Um, she co co-produced, co-made it, co-wrote it with uh, Jack Tatum of the band Wild Nothing. And mm-hmm. uh, the part that, that tickled me the most was that they originally had sort of a cynical intention for it, which was to sell it um, just to like some pop artist. Um, but they ended up being, um, you know, very attached mm-hmm. to it. So she ended up recording it herself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. What else can you really say about that song? It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, a pretty automatic shoe in for at least the short list of uh, song of the year. Um, it's very, it's very sticky. I've, I've, I've caught Rita uh, humming and singing it just absentmindedly, quite mm-hmm. a few times. Um, probably goes the same for myself. I just not as aware. Um, Jillian, what, 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 what do you, what is your read on on Be Sweet? I really liked Be Sweet. It's um, fun and poppy pretty much everything she promised for the record. Um, Yeah, I've got nothing against it. And I've listened to it a bunch, but it's not my number one from the album. It might not even be in like my top three, but I still really appreciate it. And every once in a while, I'll be like really in the mood to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And I'll go back and be like, oh, this is a perfectly written pop song. It's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's interesting. So there, there's a song later on in the album that is, um, I, I guess, rather explicitly about her father and her relationship with her father. Um, but I was actually reading, especially after reading Crying in H Mart, I was reading a little bit into that. Um, and it doesn't really bear out given uh, what she says about her relationship or lack thereof with her father um, when talking about the song that's specifically about him. Um mm-hmm. But I don't know. It was, it was hard not to read. It's it's really hard not to read <laughs> a lot of things into some of these songs um, um, after after reading the memoir. Um, but I think that's just what happens when you get to know an artist um, 
on that personal level. Um, yeah. All right. So moving on, Kokomo, Indiana. Jillian, I know you really love this one, so why don't you why don't you mm-hmm. tell us about your thoughts on Kokomo, Indiana? I do really like this one. It was like it's such a pleasant track, and I was reading some of her AMA on Reddit um, when she did that, and this one kept popping up for her everywhere. People kept asking, "What song are you most proud of on the album? Mm-hmm. What is like one of your favorite songs that you've written on any of the albums?" And her consistent answer was Kokomo. Um, it's very sweet. It's very well written it's probably one of her best works i think and probably in my top five for the entire album i really love it yep she says as much uh in the stereo game interview um she says it's it's her favorite song on the record she thinks um and uh according to her it is uh quote about a young boy in a small town saying goodbye to his girlfriend who goes off to to a study abroad program in australia or something Uh, But more specifically, uh, that she, quote, loved the idea of being 18 years old and loving someone so much, but realizing that they have so much more to give to the world. Um, And it's it's just it's an extremely sweet sentiment. She does that a few times on this album where she she adopts a a different perspective. And not that she hasn't done that on on songs before, but um, the 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 illustrations that she's she's creating through these songs seem much more more vivid and well hewn. Um, this was one of those songs that that truly uh, did not make an impression on me until uh, like a close listening, like like you said, Shasha, you know, headphone listening or, or a car listening, mm-hmm. because um, it sort of meanders by if you have it on the background. Um, but it's really in, in the details where where, um, you know, the the really transcendent parts start coming out. Mm-hmm. Sasha, anything to say about Kokomo, Indiana? Yeah, I. I feel like I'm always pointing out things like strings but I love the the finger plucking of the mm-hmm. the strings in that song a lot and that's I think when I first listened to it when I really like got into it and I started to listen a little bit more closely and I also like I think at first wasn't as into it but lately it's like becoming one of my favorites and now, now knowing that that's like what she was like kind of what she is writing about is very sweet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah she writes such good uh like not saccharine, but like very sweet, just like loving love songs. Yeah, and and, and I think I think it, it's it's a testament that that they manage not to feel saccharine, but they're they're very mm-hmm. they're very intensely felt. Um, yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, I didn't take specific notes about this, but um, in the process of recording this album, she started studying a little bit more music theory. I think specifically, she was taking guitar lessons. And um, by her own assertion, she says, whenever you take guitar lessons, you end up playing a bunch of Beatles songs. And so she started working um, some of their sort of like melodic constructions into her own songwriting. And I think this is this song just between its subject material and like the the intricacies of its arrangement and like it's a melodic construction. I think I think mm-hmm. like that's really what what made her so proud of it. I think she like it made her it seems to have made her feel accomplished as a songwriter, whereas maybe things before were just sort of like, you know, extemporaneous or like flowed out of her in a certain way as, as mm-hmm. artists say sometimes. Um, but yeah, th- th- that's this is uh, this is a song that I think uh, really rewards the the album listener, you know, like if you're mm-hmm. not just like going through and picking out singles. Um, because yeah, as Sasha and I said it, like it didn't immediately jump out to us and maybe <laughs> reinforces the fact that Jillian uh, is much more aware of what's going on in song construction than, than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> well, who cares? Oh, who cares? Right. No, I think, I think it's so interesting. I, I, I love when, when a nerdy um, music theory Jillian comes out. I love it too. Thanks. Um, so the next song in the album is Slide Tackle.
not a lot. Uh, I uh, forget about this one every time. Yeah. Whenever it, it comes on, I'm like, which one is this again? And I always really like it. I'm I'm looking at it because I, I like it. I'm like, which song is this? And then I instantly forget about it again. Yeah. Mm. Um, she admits that it's a weird song and that it uh, it seems to have taken her the longest to really like nail. Um, according to her, it's quote literally battling or wrestling with a void in your brain. Not really sure what that means either. Um, another fun fact is that apparently it initially came about because she was trying to write a future islands type song and that she loves their bass lines. Um, this is... <laughs> I think I see that. Yeah. Interested. Um, I think I, I see that. And you can also see it in sort of like the the synth driven elements yeah. of it as well. Um, she worked on this song with Ryan Galloway, who is her partner in crime for Bumper. Um, even though this was pre-Bumper, it seems like uh, my, my theory was actually that either Bumper informed a lot of what this album did or this album informed a lot of what Bumper became. Um, mm-hmm. Because there, there are certain like pop electronic parallels between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I experienced the same thing, Jillian. It's like I, I, I always forget about the song. And then when I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know that I like... I'm actively enjoying it when I'm listening to it necessarily, but I'm like, this is, this is an interesting experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, did anyone play soccer when they were a, a children's? No, only in them. No. Well, I was forced to for a year because my uncle was coaching and they needed kids to be on the team. My cousins were playing. Yeah. Um, but then I convinced them to let me be a goalie so I wouldn't have to run. Nice. And so I was just there for like the fringe free orange slices at the end of the game. And the Capri mm-hmm. Sun. Can't, can't forget the about the Capri Sun. <laughs> I'm no stranger to an apple juice. <laughs> All righty. So uh, we have come to about the midpoint in the album, or at least what closes at the A side of the album, and that is Posing in Bondage. Um, so I go back and forth between this and Savage Good Boy as uh, my favorites, my current favorite songs in the album. Um, I think Posing in Bondage may beat it out just because it's uh, it takes on a little bit more of a journey. Um, but this song actually has a history. Um, a, a number of years back, she she put it on a polyvinyl four track series. Basically, that it was like a, an experiment where artists would record a couple songs uh, strictly in a four track. Um, but you know, she never felt like it was finished. Um, and according to her, this was one of the first times that she ever just like handed a song off to uh, a producer, like told them her vision and then they realized it. Um, that was done again by Jack Tatum of wild nothing. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a song that's lyrically minimal, but ripe with a lot of imagery. Um, Again, I was saying that, you know, this was her album about joy and and things like that. But uh, a lot of it is also about like the empathy of having experienced loss and grief. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But it's it's about a lot. Um, She manages to fit a lot of symbolism or a lot of meaning into very few lyrics. She really does. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is my favorite. Um, It's just it's just like so. it really does take you on a journey at the end. It's It's got this, you know, that incredible outro um, that I just love. And I was reading um, her article with Karen O mm-hmm. and Karen O like mentions that she does a really good job of like being like raw with her emotions and like being like admitting that she needs like love in order to like feel whole essentially. And like, and she was like, Oh, I feel so seen. And it was like, it's just like, I, I feel for her. And I also like really relate to that. Cause I feel like sometimes you, it, it's, it's a lot to throw yourself at someone when you've been hurt before. Mm-hmm. And I think like, and not, you know, not just romantically or whatever, but also dealt with grief. Um, 
it's it's very common for people to kind of need um yeah companionship that is that is um earnest and yeah i just really relate to her and this song is the one that i always go back to and oh, i just love it so much um yeah and it's a really good music video too yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the music video is beautiful yeah yeah, it's um, it's interesting what you're saying about how she talks about. Um, oh, I had I had a thing in my head and I totally lost it. But anyway, um, she was she was talking about w- one of the reasons that she wrote "Crying in H Mart" was that so she could share what the experience of that type of loss is like, like the the really gritty, dirty, not dirty, but like the gritty, harsh, drawn out reality of it is like. Um, and I think it, it summarized so cleanly in, in the line that, that Jillian, and I think both, both you, Jillian and Sasha have talked about, which mm-hmm. is the line of, um, when the world is split into two people, those who have, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Someone say it. Those who have hurt, those felt pain in yeah. yet to. Yet to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you could read that almost as like an adversarial line, but I think it, it like, it, it's more that she wants to bring people into this type of understanding. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful song. Um, so that closes out the A side. Uh, the B side starts with the song sit. And the only note I have about this is her saying, I had a really hard time with this one, which is why it has such a bad title. favorite song on the album sit really? is my favorite song on the entire album i can i for the life of me cannot conjure it in my brain oh my god it is on like my current month's playlist and i listen to it a million times every single day interesting uh, okay so i mean i mean talk to me about wh- why why you like it um let me try to pick that apart um i love the musicality behind it i love i'm like trying to listen to it in my brain right now and just like think of it because I kind of get lost in it. It's one of those things where mm-hmm. it's not one of those songs where it's like, Oh, I can't wait for this lyric to happen. Or I can't wait for the bridge to come because it builds into this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it just feels like a really charged and vulnerable song at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a little bit of this element that I like. I don't know what the technical like producer ish uh, term for it is. It's almost where it sounds like you're underwater and like coming to the mm-hmm. surface over and over again. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that. Not as much as I've heard in other songs by other artists, but it's got a little bit of that and I'm a sucker for it. So mm-hmm. I totally know. And I love the lyrics too. Yeah. So, so almost lyrics. like an yeah. emerging clarity. So like things start out like a little m- <laughs> muffled or like, like um, obscure. Kind of. There's something that sounds like wet about it, though. Like it sounds like you're <laughs> in a pool. Oh, sorry. That's just, that's just a funny way of phrasing that. <laughs> that's what I said. I won't take it back. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Listen to Sid if you want to get wet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 this wasn't. I, if I'm recalling correctly, this isn't something that she said, but the Stereogum interview mentioned that this was the song that reminded them most of uh, Soft Sounds, where it was mm. there, there's not like a clear direction to it. It, it just it just sort of unfolds, um, doesn't doesn't adhere to a, a traditional song structure. Um, so that that seems very in line with what you're saying. Sasha, do you have any yeah. feelings one way or another about Sit? And it is yeah. it is a bad title. <laughs> we got to admit, Sit is a it bad is. title for a song. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like it too. I mean, I, I like that the first, in the first, like what, two lines she talks about sitting on someone's face. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know I don't know what she's saying. <laughs> Sit on your face. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, at least it wasn't called that. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that would catch your eye a little or ear a little bit more. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. Well, I, man, I'm going to have to go back and uh, really, really revisit sit um, to suss yeah, out some, you of should. This, some of this wet, this <laughs> wet, wet goodness. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on. Uh, the next song on the track, uh, the next song in the album, rather, is Savage Good Boy. Yeah, I mean, what what more you can say? Co-produced by uh, Alex G of um, of Alex, Alex G fame, you know? Alex yeah, like what can you say? Um, <laughs> it's an exploration of greed and 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 like peak capitalism and just male entitlement. Um, my the my favorite thing that she said about the song is that she thinks that uh, quote um, every type of villainy is rooted in normal human behavior that we all exhibit, um, and really, I think by her own assertion where the song came from is her trying to understand how greed grows to that level. Um, mm -hmm. like basically like that of a megalomaniac. Um, but it's just a really fun song. Um, just like aesthetically speaking. Um, and, and it's great that it's like an exploration or, or like a, a, an attempt at understanding this type of mentality, but, um, it's also just a, a great quick pop rock song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think it's also one of my favorites, mostly because of the subject matter. Like, I think that's a really interesting thing to write about. And she writes a really good song mm -hmm. about it, you know? I get the intro of it stuck in my head constantly. Yep, it's, it's on repeat. And sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it. So Sometimes I'll just say it to myself. Apparently, she had, she had the lyric... Um, a billion dollar bunker built for two just like in her head for years and years and years and years and and then like basically just built a song off of off mm -hmm. of it um wow which is yeah i to be an artist you know um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else we want to say about savage good boy mm -hmm. it's got a savage good video too with michael imperioli mm -hmm. love that guy uh the next song uh and really so <laughs> again an ostensible album about joy that closes out with some three pretty heavy fucking songs posing for cars. The final track is, is more, is more lovey, but in hell and tactics are rough, <laughs> like yeah. subject matter wise. Um, so yeah, so the next song is in hell. Um, apparently, this was written around the same time as In Heaven, and it was actually a Japanese bonus track on the Japanese uh, release of Soft Sounds uh, from another wow. planet, her second Ooh. album. Um, and it is about putting her dog to sleep. Super fun and joyous. Um, she said that, um, yeah, so uh, it was basically she was, uh, she was shooting the music video for um, uh, a, one, of the, one of the songs on Soft Sounds. And two days in, uh, she had to put her dog down and it mm -hmm. got her thinking about death. And it, it was after her mother had passed. And, and, and if you read the book or have experienced it at all, you know that it can um, cancer can be a very drawn out, um, you know, just long, arduous experience. And it got her thinking, why can't we do this to human beings? Um, and not that, you know, she would have made that decision, but she said, quote, there's a part of me that wishes we could have those conversations. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, this song pretty much bears this out or this idea out and it's, it's, uh, it's really heavy. Um, how do we feel about in hell? Well, wow. I didn't know it was about her dog. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, man, this one is definitely heavy. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with her. Like I wish having experienced it 
obviously not myself, but seeing it, I also wish that could be a part of the conversation. Totally agree with her. Um, but yeah, the song is like that, that, like it's starting off with, with that line. It's like, oh gosh, that's like heavy first line. Like, yeah. You wish, or not wish, but like with your luck, someone will be dead. It's like, oh. Yeah. Or, or just the, the certainty of knowing someone's going to die. Like, yeah. that's, that's yeah. a lot. It's tough. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it's, I mean, of course she writes with her heart so well. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's, I, I always have a tough time finishing this album. Like I usually can go straight through to Savage Good Boy. And then after that, I'm like, yeah, turn it off for a bit maybe or yeah. come back to it or whatever. Um, Cause they're just, they're, it's this one especially is is pretty tough. So, but it's a it's a beautiful song. I love mm-hmm. the whole like musical interlude in the like after the the chorus and yeah, it's you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes her vocal delivery really obscures, um, you know, the subject matter. Yeah, that's so true, and that's like the thing I was actually thinking about because I feel like her voice is very sweet mm-hmm. a lot, and mm-hmm. um, I think you kind of forget the pain that actually comes with what she's writing about yeah. sometimes. And um, yeah, I, I totally agree. It does, it does mask it a little bit. She also, I've, I've told Julian this before, but um, she does something with her voice where it always sounds like she's saying an R. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Even with her like mouth is closed, even if it's only a little bit open, no matter what the vowel is, there's always the undertone of an R in it. Mm-hmm. Like it's very so round unique. vowel vowel pronunciations, yeah, right? It's so unique. It sounds like if the vowel just falls just a little bit, if she relaxes her face even a millimeter, it's gonna turn into er. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't know how she does that. And I would love to see I would love to be like at an ENT doctor and like just see what her vocal cords do when she yeah. sings, but <laughs> I would yeah. love to see a video by that uh that uh, linguistics guy who does the who does videos for what is it? Uh, uh, I think it's Wired or Vogue or something. But he does those videos where like it started out as him like like critiquing different actors' uh, uh, accent performances and movies, and now it's it's become this full blown like series where like I think the last one was like a two or three parter where he explored regional dialects and accents throughout the country and he got like different linguistic experts it's it's super fascinating if you haven't seen already but i would love to see him do an episode specifically about her 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 yeah her round vowel recitations yeah yeah i feel like people don't really talk about her vocals that much i think she has a great singing voice but i think it's also really interesting you know The, yeah. the the one thing that I did notice on a couple of songs um, is that, and, and this was definitely true of um, Psychopomp and to a lesser extent uh, uh, Soft Sounds, is that sometimes her, her vocals are mixed either low or in an odd way where the instrumentals sort of interfere with you understanding what she's saying. And that could yeah. be a conscious decision where she doesn't want to be <clears throat> like, you know, a straight pop artist where like the vocals are really front and center. Um, but it's not the best for trying yeah. to understand lyrics just while you're listening in your car and you don't want to look at genius and then hit a you know right. school bus full of children with your car. Um, all right. So uh, one more really arduous song, not ar- arduous and subject material. Um, so tactics is uh, straight up just being about uh, just about being estranged from her father. She says as much. Um, she says, quote, it was really hard to walk away from that relationship because it felt very much like at this other death, um, but she goes on to say that ultimately it was for her own health and, and well-being and that while well, she does bemoan the loss of that relationship, that it was just something she had to do. Um, apparently she was shooting for a Randy Newman-esque ballad, uh, but mm-hmm. Craig Hendricks, her longtime collaborator, said, no, I think this is more of a Bill Withers song. I 
hear more Newman than Withers, but apparently they came to like a combined consensus. Um, but yeah, I, I think the song works, especially as a lead in for the finale. I think they are of a, at least a sonic pair. Um, it's a good song. It's not, not one of my favorites on the album, but I think it's a good like pre last song. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Beautiful strings Mm -hmm. in this one too. I can, I can kind of hear the, I can kind of hear both Newman and Withers actually. That's interesting. I didn't know that, but yeah. Jillian, anything to say about tactics? No, No, honestly. Not a thing. (laughs) It's, it's good, but like Sasha says, I'll break it up sometimes when I'm listening it all the way through and then I'll forget and just want to listen to Posing for Cars. So I honestly mm-hmm. forget to listen to Tactics. A lot and that's, that's totally fair because Posing for Cars, the final track on Japanese Breakfast 2021 album, Jubilee. is posing for cars um just a couple facts fun facts written on the same day she wrote paprika um uh, both were products of her and her husband peter going to the poconos and doing mushrooms um and apparently the uh, both paprika and posing for cars are sort of like bread from inside jokes that she and her husband have and apparently it was because um they they were you know tripping and every time a car would pass peter would try to like pose in a way that he thought looked normal but it ended up looking very weird um and it is according to her quote a meditation on how two people two different people can love each other um and the the line that ends the album is so achingly beautiful and so specifically japanese breakfast um, especially if you've read crying in h mart um, and that is a single slow desire fermenting um uh I didn't know that I didn't you don't realize it when you're listening to it but that's a four minute guitar solo that ends that ends the album and ends the track mm-hmm. she does play it um, mm-hmm. and it was inspired by uh, the Wilco song at least that's what you said um, mm. and she really fell in love with the idea of expressing a narrative through a guitar solo so that that's that's what this that's what that was and it's just it's uh, it's interesting because I, I I think we've talked a lot about uh, a lot on this podcast about songs that that reach a crescendo um, and that go big, you know, start small and go big. And this song does that, but in a much more like subdued way. It never goes full like arena rock, like, you know, you know, all hell breaks loose. But it, it does crescendo into something that's like, I think, much more elegant and graceful than, you know, your usual guitar driven like pop rock. Totally. Yeah. That's so good. Um, gosh, that line is amazing. Hmm. I didn't even realize that's what she said, but wow. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I love, I just love the way she writes about her experiences. I mean, that's like, like doing mushrooms with your partner is such a like, I don't know, just such, not a common thing, but it's like just a, it's just such a like thing you kind of do with your partner. You sometimes like to just get really stoned and act like an idiot and like mm-hmm. writing a beautiful song about that. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Out of here. <laughs> like, go away. Michelle. Yeah. yeah and, and I, and I think, I think there's a, there's a through line of vulnerability, especially in the songs that she's written um, about Peter um and and i and i think the the mushrooms thing whether or not um you know she she wants it to be part of the mythology of this album is it it is a very true thing because it 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 represents like the ability to be that not only vulnerable but just like such a such a drastic version of yourself you know for a for a Mm -hmm. really sustained period of time um yeah, it's really beautiful. It, it's an excellent. Again, she she really hit the nail on the head with the opening and closing tracks on this album. She yeah, did, yeah, perfectly. Honestly, it's like bookends. Yeah, mm-hmm. very different bookends, but bookends nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, question: uh, In the pantheon of Japanese breakfast albums, we're only counting the LPs. Uh, 
We've got number one. Oh shit. Uh, Psychopomp. Number two, soft sounds from another. So, oh, Jesus, soft sounds from another planet. I think that's what it's called. Number three, okay. Jubilee. Where does uh, how how do you rank them? Jillian, please go first. Okay. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I think I have to go. Well, let me just double check one more thing. Yep. Okay. It's going to go Psychopomp, Jubilee, then Soft Sounds. Sasha, um, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. No, Jillian, please talk more about, about those rankings. Um, well, I just think Psychopomp is honestly a perfect album. Um, my favorite song of all time, which I think is everyone's, not everyone's, but like, from back when people were discovering them, everybody wants to love you. is like one of my favorite songs of all time, mm-hmm. but getting mm-hmm. to listen to that entire album through and through, I, it's going to take a lot for her to top this in heaven. The woman that loves you mm-hmm. rugged country, mm-hmm. like those first three starting yeah. out the album. I, I can't think of a stronger start to another album right now. Um, and the second half is just so spacey and great. Um, so yeah, I love Psychopomp for those reasons, and I I absolutely love select songs on Soft Sounds as well. But Jubilee is such a joyous departure from what she usually does, um, and shows a lot of growth. So it's got to be the OG for me, number one, then Jubilee, and then Soft Sounds. Sasha, <sighs> I don't know. This is really hard. Um... I honestly I don't know it's hard I mean I feel like Jubilee is gonna be number one just because it's the most recent one and I think I'm I'm notorious for like you know because it it's the one that's most fresh and I feel like it's um I don't know I I just I really love it a lot I think it it's a good it's just a good addition to the the catalog um so I'm gonna go with Jubilee number one I it's really hard to pick between the other two because like there are songs on there that I love so much that it's hard for me to say which one is better I think maybe soft sounds would be second just because it was the first time I think I'd listened to her like an album that there's all the way through like I don't think I'd listened to psychopomp all the way through until after listening to this one um and because I mean I, I I just I love boyish. It's like probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. And I love Twelve Steps. I love um, Till Death. And I think oh, I think Woman is an amazing uh, opener as well. And mm-hmm. um, also love the subject matter of that song. Yep. And yeah. And then you know Psychopomp is I love it, but it's it's actually kind of hard for me to listen to because sure. it, I think it's the most raw in terms of her grief. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, no, yeah, it's it's unavoidable. Like at least with uh, di- uh, um, soft sounds, there's a, there's a little bit of obfuscation of mm-hmm. the subject matter, and at least in a few of the songs. But Psychopomp, mm-hmm. you cannot you cannot yeah. get away from it. It's hard to deny how good it is, but yeah, like a song like Heft, especially like I just oof, it yeah. it rips <laughs> rips me apart. Truly, um, it's just it's. It's incredible, yeah. I think I think for now it, it'll probably change, but I think for now it's Jubilee, Soft Sounds, and Psychopomp. Yeah, um, I, I'm actually totally in alignment with, with you, Sasha. I think I think Jubilee just because there's recency bias, but also there's a lot to dig into, um, just from like a lyric and a and a production standpoint. And so, so if you would have talked to me uh, two months ago. I would have I would have said psychopomp soft sounds and or like psychopomp would have been at the top of the list but mm-hmm. in recent in, in re-listening to uh, soft sounds recently it's it's like a it's a pretty monumental achievement in terms of like the evolution of her sound um, mm-hmm. I mean just like boyish is sort of a case study on its own like as, as representative of that album and just mm-hmm. how like how class a in it just like from a production from like a lyric just just everything about it is so like achingly beautiful like in but like in like a like an old hollywood like you know 
like Sunset yeah. Boulevard type of way. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I and I think that that that's a that's a, a, something that you can feel consistently throughout that album. Um, and that's not to say that that Psychopomp isn't a fantastic, just like yeah. near perfect album. But there, yeah. <laughs> and this is this seems like a slight thing to do. But you know, we're ranking three albums that I think we all love. Um, and so if if I must, like there are just some production things in that album that I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. like the, this this smacks of like first album hastily thrown togetherness. Um, yeah. But again, as as we've said, like these are three albums. Like this, this is this is Sophie's choice plus one. Um, so yeah, um, cool. Well, any final thoughts we have about Jubilee, Japanese Breakfast in general? If you're not listening to her, you better fucking get on it. Yeah, it really feels like yeah. The the zeitgeist is is uh, pushing Japanese Breakfast in your direction. Uh, this year, folks. So, um, go. in many ways too, because it's like there's a book, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a movie is going to be coming out, mm-hmm. you know, here in the future. There's so many options to at least consume her. Yep. <laughs> her work. Yeah. That sounded weird, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> consume yeah. her work. I think next, next, like maybe like a line of like products, like a product development partnership with H Mart. Like it just feels oh, so natural, you know? Cool. Yeah. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of DYBE Singles. Uh, we will be back next week with a traditional mainline episode if Julian doesn't fuck up the production. Um, leave us okay, a review. I, I heard your name is mine as per usual, and I was like, what did I do? <laughs> you know what you did, Julian. I'll never let you forget it. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining me, Julian and Sasha. Uh, as always, be kind to each other. Take care of everybody and yourself. And goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.